I did want to read to you the words that we've heard a couple of times and I've emailed out a few times that the Lord brought to my dad recently and I just felt it was right to look at some of the scriptures that are related to these two words, look beyond. So if if you just allow me one more time just to read these words and I just pray that they would still be an encouragement to you, the truth is still there. They're not the Bible but they are um, full of truth and then um, we'll just look at one little passage this week which helps us to look to Jesus, reminds us to fix our eyes on Jesus. So the whole overall thing is looking beyond. Today we're going to think about looking to Jesus. I'm just going to speak for 10 minutes maybe and next week we'll look at a different scripture that helps us to be encouraged to look to the unseen. Sorry, the unseen. The Bible talks to us about looking at things that are unseen, which is quite an incredible idea, isn't it? And um, and then in the final third week, we'll we'll think about looking to our future glory. So we're looking beyond for three weeks just to just to bounce off this idea that um, has blessed so many already. So the words, first of all, that were. Um, most of these were spoken out on a Sunday morning and then um, written down later by my dad with, I think, a few extra lines. But here's, here's those words. Um, Look beyond the mountains to the one who made the mountains. Look beyond the raging sea to the glorious horizon that awaits you. Look beyond the problem to the one who is the solution to the problem. Look beyond this squalid, evil world to the heavenly country which awaits you. Look beyond every difficulty, every hardship, every form of suffering, to the day when you will be free from all these things. Look beyond the arguments of men to the wisdom of the Almighty God. Look beyond whatever is facing you. Look beyond. Look beyond the wonders of creation to the one whose genius created it. Look beyond the starlit sky to the one who designed the galaxies. Look beyond the brevity of life on earth to the one who inhabits eternity. Look beyond the grave to the one who is the resurrection and the life. Look beyond your weaknesses, failures and sins to the one who paid the price for them all at Calvary. Look beyond. Well, the scripture that relates to that for today, where I want us to think about looking beyond and looking to Jesus, is in Hebrews 12. And if you want to look at that now, turn to it, Hebrews chapter 12. We're just going to look at the first two verses. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. see people shuffling. I hope it's not a deck of cards. I can see shuffling going on below the screens. Have you got it? Anybody got it? Yeah, I've got some thumbs up. Lovely. Oh. Okay, just two verses then uh, and some thoughts about that. And we're going to flip back into the previous chapter. We're looking at Hebrews 12, but it starts with the word therefore. So it's um, it's worth looking back and seeing why 
he's saying therefore, but let's start with Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as I said, it starts with therefore, and what he's saying is, because of all the people in the previous chapter, because I'm looking at the screens, I know I've got people here who know the Bible. You know Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. It's all the people by faith. This person did this. This person did that. This person did the other by faith. Um, and because of all these people, therefore, since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us go on and do the things in the verses I've just read. So I thought it was worth looking at what these characters were characterized as having as faith and I just pull out three little parts from the previous chapter then in in Hebrews 11 to see what it was that was helping them to look beyond so if you if you are uh, looking at an actual bible and you can not and you're not just listening to my voice which is fine if you are but if you've got a bible just flip back to Hebrews 11 and find verse 8 and we see how they were looking beyond and why this therefore is there or one of the reasons this therefore is in verse sorry is in is in chapter 12 Hebrews 11 verse 8 by faith Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going <laughs> by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with the hymn of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So in Genesis, when Abraham took off, left his family and took his close family with him, he didn't know where he was going and he lived in tents. But he was looking forward to a greater country, a greater place, a city with foundations, as in not a tent, a place with foundations. So he was looking beyond. Abraham was looking beyond. Well, if you jump then to verse 13 in Hebrews 11, it's been talking about a number of people who've had faith and been living, living by faith. All these people, it says in verse 13, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Well, that sounds a bit upsetting, doesn't it? They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. I think part of our looking beyond in our current day and age and any, any age before Christ's return is for us to accept that we are actually foreigners and strangers on earth and we belong to a better country. Verse 14, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, 
they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing. How do we long for a better country? A heavenly one. So the writer is now explaining. We're not just talking about a physical promised land in Israel. We're talking about something far bigger, far greater. These Old Testament heroes who followed God's leading and talked about this promised land and the land of Israel, they had in their hearts something even greater than that, the heavenly country. Still in verse 16, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. City of lights, the city in heaven. And finally, in, in, in Hebrews 11, moving to verse 24 to 26, he talks about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He knew that he was a son of somebody else. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, the sin that so easily entangles he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Again, he was looking ahead. He was looking beyond. So we've got this um, collection of men and women who lived by faith and every now and then punctuate, in fact, three times punctuated throughout this hall of faith, we've got a because. They live by faith and God uh, was pleased with them and all those kind of things. But they live by faith because they were looking to a heavenly city, a heavenly country, a country of their own, a place beyond the nearsighted beyond of the promised land on earth. There was more. There is more. There is so much more. And so if, if they were called to look beyond, how much more? Are we? So that's the context of the therefore at the beginning of chapter 12. Because of all these guys, because of all these people who live by faith, because of their faith in something more, because of their looking beyond, beyond their current battle, their current problem, because they were looking beyond their current scenario. That's what this chapter is going to be all about in Hebrews 12. And since we are surrounded by these witnesses, it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1, where we've started off, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So there's two things to throw off. It's not all sin. Um, some of it's just stuff that hinders. You know, something that hinders you isn't always sinful. And um, I wonder what that might be for us today what distractions can hinder us from looking beyond from thinking about this heavenly dwelling where we will all be for eternity and this life on earth is just a breath what stops us looking beyond what, what we're in today what hinders you what makes you look down rather than looking up what makes you and it's a rhetorical question i'm not asking for answers i want you to answer it in your own heart you probably know things you know yourself better than than I do for sure you know what uh, encourages you to look down it's really encouraging isn't the right word is it what tempts you to look down instead of up or maybe to look around 
you know, looking at the circumstances around us, look around instead of looking beyond. What are those things? What is it around us that contradicts the gospel, contradicts the good news that there is peace, there is hope, there is life, there is life beyond the life that we have. There is a plan, there is a God who had a plan for salvation even before the world was founded. Do you ever think about that? It says Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. I said I'd talk for 10 minutes. It's been 12 already, so I'll speed up um, because I know we're going to finish soon. But he was slain. Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world, before <laughs> Jesus had the answer to the problem, before we even knew there was a problem, before there even was a problem. He knows what he's doing. He's in control. And we sometimes find that circumstances stop us looking at these treasures of truth in the Bible and looking beyond. But it doesn't just say the things that entangle, it's also the, 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 the it does say the sin as well. And there's no judgment here because it says the sin that so easily entangles. It means it's easy to slip into and we all have our own easy to slip into sins. But they stop us running the race. You can't, run, you can't run life's marathon with sin round your ankles. You've got you've to shake it off, throw it off. And how do we do it? We fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's go back into verse 1 of Hebrews 12. We've nearly finished. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This is how we do it. We fix. Fix is a strong word, isn't it? It's not let's glance at Jesus. Let's glance towards it. Let's have a nod to God first thing in the morning. Um, and maybe when we lay our head on the pillow, we might just say a little prayer or something. This is fixing our eyes. We need to do it in this in this world that we live in. The, you know, he is seated at the highest place, this Jesus, who are asked to... Um, fix our eyes on so this is the ultimate looking beyond you know if there's going to be three talks here one talking about Jesus at the beginning this is the ultimate we've started with the best there is no name higher than Jesus there is no concept higher than Jesus and his salvation he has been super exalted to the highest place by the father so when we focus on Jesus when we fix our minds on him there is nothing higher you can't get higher than Jesus you, you've burst through the ceiling and there is no higher thought than thinking about Jesus. And that's where we've got to fix our gaze. Let's look to him in our difficulties, whatever our circumstances are, whatever we're going through, whether it's internal mental problems, whether it's external physical problems, whatever it is, there's no name higher than Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on him. Isn't it a determined word for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand, sorry, at the throne of God. So we're determined and we're fixed. But Jesus himself, he, he was fixed too. He had his eyes fixed beyond the cross. He was looking beyond, wasn't he? He saw beyond the cross. He endured it, scorned its shame. Because he saw the joy on the other side. And we too need to do like Jesus. You know, we, 
we we have so little in common with Jesus in so many ways because he's he was perfect and is perfect but um we've been told to be made like him but one way in which we are like him Jesus said to his disciples if anyone wants to come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me so as we fix our eyes on Jesus we can look beyond the cross that he bore and we can see him exalted in heaven resurrected glorified coming again but we can also look beyond our own crosses the cross that Jesus has told us to take up for there is great joy set before us too Abraham was looking forwards to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God and in fact all the people in chapter 11 were longing for a better country it says in verse 16 and by faith Moses when he had grown up refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter he chose to be ill-treated he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ and he was looking ahead to his reward and I think we may be required sometimes to be regarded as or disregarded by society we might need to take on some disgrace for the sake of Christ but we will be looking through that cross beyond the cross of Jesus to the great I am the one who is seated on the throne looking beyond fixing our eyes on Jesus so let's look beyond whatever we see around us knowing the reward is great